His first words, after nine months of not speaking, not being able to say anything, what, what would yours be? If you weren't able to speak in a situation like this, what, what would your first words be? Right? Probably, oh, I can't believe I haven't been able to, you know, I mean, you just, everything would just flow out of it. For me, I, who knows what it would be? I don't want that color in the baby's nursery. You know, I mean, it just all, whatever else that would, that would come out. And the first words that come out of Zechariah's mouth are, blessed be our God. It's praise and it's worship. Thank you for listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit our website, centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. And we love music. For whatever reason, we've all got our, our favorite songs, Christmas, surrounded by music. But we've also just got other songs. Uh, one, of, one of the songs when it comes on the radio that I just belt out of the top of my lungs, Starship, Nothing Gonna Stop Us Now, right, from the mid-80s. Uh, right? It sounds cheesy, and you're like, yeah, whatever, that guy likes that music. But here's the thing. Let me tell you the story behind it. Well, when, uh, when uh, I was uh, a lad, uh, went with my cousin. We were going to the movies, and we were going to see Crocodile Dundee. And when we got to the theaters, there was a girl there that I really liked, and she was there with some friends, and uh, they were going to see the movie Mannequin. And, uh, and so, guess where, what movie I ended up going to? Uh, I, I went and, and, uh, with her to Mannequin, and that was the theme song from that movie. And, uh, and long story short, I married that girl. And so, yeah, that's right. So that is, uh, that's a song that when it comes on, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm winning so many. You're going to let me, I probably get to choose what we watch tonight. I get the remote, <laughs> the remote control. Uh, so, um, but, but there's, when we learn that there is meaning, when there's meaning behind songs, uh, it's just all the more, it means all the more to us. We don't pay attention to that a lot. A lot of people judge music on whether or not it sounds good or it doesn't sound good. It's cheesy or it's not cheesy. And, and, and what people don't really understand, a lot of musicians, not all, but, but a lot of musicians, they're, they're poets. They're, they really truly are artists. And, and when you maybe listen to a song, you're like, I don't really get it. But when we hear the story behind the song, all of a sudden it changes everything for us. This Christmas season, we're going to talk about Christmas in stereo, uh, surrounded by the songs of Christmas. But the songs that we're going to talk about are not the carols that we sing uh, on a regular basis. We're going to look at the book of Luke and we're going to look at the songs that were sung uh, throughout the kind of the nativity story. And we're going to see and take a look at kind of the background behind them. And then just ask, so God, what is it that you want us to know about who you are and who we can be during this Christmas season? That we don't just get lost in the feeling of Christmas, but that we can really find ourselves surrounded by the meaning of it. In July of 1861... Uh, American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, uh, his wife, Fanny, was cooking dinner and her dress caught on fire and, uh, and the flames just en engulfed her and he did everything that he could. He grabbed her and he threw his body on top of hers, uh, burning and scarring himself for life in the midst of it. And the next day, Fanny, uh, she uh, passed away due to her injuries and Longfellow went into an incredibly dark depression for a really long time. A, a couple of years later, he 
was a, a little brokenhearted. His son Charlie, his only son, and then he had four daughters. Uh, his son Charlie enlisted to go and to fight for President Lincoln uh, for the Union um, during the Civil War. Uh, and uh, Longfellow, he was terrified that his only son was going off to war. And sure enough, uh, about uh, two years later, as he's sitting there alone at night having his dinner, he got a telegram from Washington, D.C. that his son Charlie had been severely injured. And so Longfellow packed his things. He took off. He went to Washington, D.C. to go to the hospital to sit by his son, praying to God that he would spare his life. And while he was sitting there, uh, Thanksgiving rolled by, and all of a sudden, uh, Christmas Day. And Longfellow is just thinking back on, on just his own personal struggles and pleading for his son's life. And he heard the church bells go off. And he took a, 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 a piece of paper and he took his pen and he began to write, um, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from the black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. A decade later, that song will get put to music and since then, endless artists, everybody from Frank Sinatra to Casting Crowns have, have covered uh, that song of this struggle that he had to, to say, I understand that that's what this season is about, peace on earth, but... I just don't see it. And he was trying to figure it all out. Today, what I want to do is I want to take a look at uh, really a song of praise by uh, a man. His name was Zechariah. Zechariah uh, doesn't get a whole lot of spotlight during the Christmas season. None of you have Zechariah in your nativity scene uh, or anywhere near it. Uh, but his story is, is pretty incredible and it's vital to the telling of the coming of the Messiah, our Savior. This true story, the greatest story ever told, the birth of Christ, surrounded by the songs of today's Zechariah. Next week we'll look at Mary, we'll look at the, the angels, we'll look at the shepherds and say, so what song am I supposed to sing? What song can I sing? Because of what it is that God has done for me. And so let me just read for you uh, Zechariah's blessing. This is found in, in Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 67 to 79. Uh, and then we're going to go back and we're going to look at the background of the song so that you uh, hopefully just fall a little bit more in love with God's Word and, uh, and God Himself, His Son Jesus through it. This is what Zechariah says. If you would, let's stand together. <coughs> Excuse me. So verse 67 says, And his father, that is John the Baptist, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. 
as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise will visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Father, this morning as we just prepare our hearts for a communion time where we truly get to remember and reflect on the sacrifice that that you made that your son Jesus made for us we pray that you would just lead us and guide us during this time give me words father that that need to be said to connect with with hearts and minds that are in need right now so may your spirit work you do your work father in your name amen you can have a seat so this song this Blessing is known in, in the early church, it was known as the Benedictus. That's what it means, is a, a blessing, because that's the first word that we find in, in Zechariah's song. It is blessed. He blesses God. But in order for us to really truly appreciate the song, I want to go, let's look at the background of it. Let's look at, at the why. What was going on? Who is Zechariah? What is all about? That Who is he the kind of person that could receive this type of blessing to give it back to God. Well, we, we first uh, learn uh, about him right away in the book of Luke as you open it up. Uh, verse 5 of chapter 1, it says he was a priest of the division of Abijah. That might not mean much to you. And so you have to always, I always think that when we find a name in Scripture 1, I want to find out what that name means, but I also want to find out, so what's, what's the history behind it? Abijah, you have to go all the way back to the book of Exodus in chapter 4, when, when we read about Moses leading the people uh, into the promised land, but Moses had a brother, and his brother's name was Aaron, and Aaron was appointed by God as the first high priest to oversee uh, the operations of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was God's presence there in the middle of his people, and sacrifices were made. And so there were duties that needed to get done in that tabernacle, and God set the Levites aside, made Aaron the high priest over them, to take care of the operations of, of the tabernacle. Well, Aaron had four sons. Two of the sons didn't do their jobs well. They actually made it about them, and, and they were punished severely for it. And so Aaron was only left with two surviving sons. And, and it was out of those sons that over the centuries, there were now 24 generations of men that were now priests overseeing the operations of the temple by the time we get to King David. Now, what we know about King David is he had this dream of, of taking the tabernacle and making it into a, a, a permanent structure in the city of Jerusalem, that, that God needed his own beautiful home there in the city. And so David wanted to build this, and because of his disobedience to God, God said that that's... That's not your job. That's not going to be your task. Your task is, is going to be getting the temple ready for your son Solomon to build. 
And so David, making all the preparations and, and getting all of the materials, also prepares all of the men that would serve uh, to do the work of the temple. And so what he said was there are 24 now uh, divisions from Solomon, or, or I'm, excuse me, from Aaron. And, and, and so these different divisions would be broken up and each of these divisions, the men of the Levites would come and they lived all over the nation of Israel. They would come for one week at a time during the year. They would rotate uh, doing the work of the tabernacle or the temple. So Zechariah was a young man who happened to be from the line of Abijah and the division of Abijah. And so it was his time to serve in the temple in Jerusalem. So he makes the journey, he comes, and he's, his role is to go and to burn incense inside of kind of the, uh, the inner sanctum of the temple where not all people or priests are allowed to go. And so that just kind of sets the stage for what happens. Zechariah enters into uh, this inner room and he's, he's uh, offering incense and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. The, the crazy thing about this is that for 400 years, from the time the Old Testament ends, the New Testament begins, 400 years. For 400 years, God's people had not heard anything from God. We read all throughout the Old Testament of God's prophets and His judges, angels coming, God speaking to His people, but it ended. And so for centuries, nobody had heard from the Lord. Now, the prophet uh, Malachi uh, if you read through his book, it's the last book of the Old Testament, concludes with these incredible prophecies of one day the Son of Righteousness is going to rise with healing in His wings. And then the next prophecy says, and there will be one who will come like Elijah that will prepare people for the coming of the Lord. And that's how Malachi ends. So now you've got hundreds of years of silence and Zechariah is serving as a priest and he's doing the work and he goes into this room in the temple and an angel appears. No one has heard from God in hundreds of years and here's Zechariah. Now what we know about Zechariah, if you read through that early part of Luke chapter 1, is that, uh, is that it says that he was righteous and he walked blamelessly following all of, God commandments, all of God's commandments and His statutes. And so did his wife, Elizabeth. But then Luke says, but. But they were childless. What Luke is really trying to say is they were holy and righteous and they followed after God with all of their hearts despite having this major struggle in their life. In ancient times, we read about this in Scripture all throughout, but, but if you were childless in ancient times, one as a man, especially Zechariah, who was a priest and who could pass that line on to his son, which would be a really big deal, to not have a son was a really big deal. It also, just as a, as a man, uh, that's how you pass on your line, but also this is... This is my identity. This is who I am. For a woman, the same thing. This is my identity. Elizabeth would, would say later on when she becomes pregnant, and now my reproach among people will be taken away. In other words, she viewed herself through the eyes of what other people thought of her, that she didn't have value. That's not where we find our value. We find it in, 
in God Himself and His promises and Christ alive in us. But here they had this, this burden that was on them. But they continued to serve God. They continued to stay faithful to Him. And Zechariah playing his role, doing what it is that God had called him to do. And, and Elizabeth put right alongside him. And they both were righteous. They were committed to God's statutes and His commandments. But they did not have a child. So Zechariah goes in to offer this sacrifice and the angel of the Lord shows up and he says, Zechariah, you are going to have a son. To which he can't believe it because he said, we're, but, but we're barren and we are both aged in years. In other words, we're beyond that. right? We've accepted it. We've prayed for it. It didn't happen. Uh, so we're just, we've accepted that this is what's, what our life is all about. We will never have children. And the angel, the angel says, you are going to have a child. And, and then he gives a prophecy about him. He says, your son is going to be the one that's going to go before the coming of the Messiah. Your son is going to prepare the world to let them know that the Savior, the Messiah, is coming. And Zechariah, he just can't believe this. To which the angel says, because you've doubted God, you will no longer be able to speak until the day your child is born. Now that was a big deal for a priest to not be able to... to to pray the blessing over the people on a regular basis. Uh, there's ancient Jewish literature says that if you have some type of, uh, of an issue like that, that you weren't, weren't able to, to see or to speak, that you no longer could serve in the temple. So Zechariah has to, has to face this consequence of doubting God, but let's just admit it, wouldn't we all? Right? I mean, if, if, and let's just say, can we say, haven't we all? But God, I've prayed and 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 time just has passed by and it doesn't seem like you're hearing me. Do you not see me? Do you not care about me? But what we understand from this is it's all in God's timing. Right? God, why would you let me go through this? And God's answer so often is you just wait and see. You wait and see the great thing that I'm going to do. Well, they prayed and prayed, and now they're, as Zechariah admits, now we're, now we're too old. We, we, first of all, we physically couldn't have children. Now we physically can't have children, right? It's never going to happen, and we've accepted that. And the angel is basically saying, how dare you doubt God? Do you, have you not seen all that he has done? There's so much that takes place in the waiting, in the preparation, but God will be faithful one thing that I love uh, about uh, this story is, again, as I said, names matter. They meant a lot in ancient times. You named your child what you wanted them to become. And then they, they lived into it. Um, my middle name is Cameron. I'm, uh, that, uh, my uncle's name is Cam. And I'll tell you, uh, my uncle Cam... Uh, is huge into baseball and softball. And when I was in high school and I played baseball, and my Uncle Cam would be, he, he's from Fargo, but when he would travel through and he would come to town and he would come to one of my baseball games, l let me tell you, I tried to play as best as I possibly could, right? To live into, into that name. My first name's Paul, it means short one, right? Uh, so... But, but, but they, in ancient times, you lived into it. Zechariah... His, his name, 
meant God remembers. Can you imagine trying to live into that every day? But God, when? But God, when? And trying to, but I have to remember that God sees me. He cares. He, he remembers. Elizabeth means God is my, my promise. God is my satisfaction. Can you imagine for her trying to live into that? As in a day and an age that really just said that for a woman in those days that your life it depends on whether or not you have children or not. And she has to say, but I have to live into the fact that God's my everything. That I don't, I don't need anything else. And they, and, they, and they did. They honored God, lived into His commandments, honored His statutes at all times. Luke tells us in verse 7 of chapter 1, after describing how righteous they were, he says, but they had no children. I mean, he puts that in there. Despite them having a struggle, they stayed faithful. What a great challenge for us today. Right? I mean, plain and simple. Name your struggle. Could somebody today, could you write down uh, uh, that list? And before your list of all of the struggles, uh, could you write, you know, stayed faithful, followed after God, stayed true to His Word, despite the long list that we have. Zechariah must have been wondering, when is God going to remember me? And he does. The angel comes and says he's going to have a son, but it's not about Zechariah. I'm not giving you a son because you desire so deeply to have a son. I'm giving you a son because I set it out from the beginning of the world that I would rescue that I would redeem. I'm giving you a son that will be the one that will tell the world about him and prepare hearts for him. Who better for God to do something great through than people that would proclaim it, that people would appreciate it, that people would, would know when they saw them, this is God at work. And so we get to this blessing that, that Zechariah cries out. So he's... So he's mute. He can't speak. God has silenced him, right, for uh, about probably, I don't know, about 10 months. It says he, was, he finished his work in the temple. It says that he went home. His wife Elizabeth became pregnant. And, and Zechariah couldn't speak for, uh, for nine months. And on the day of the birth of his son, Everybody, the crowd comes around because this is just amazing. They, they need to see, like, they just can't believe this. And Zechariah hasn't been able to speak. for the, Like, we want to know what happened, what, what is going on. And they say, you need to name him Zechariah. That baby needs to be named Zechariah because Zechariah means God remembers. And you guys have prayed. And so you need to, that, that child needs to know that God remembers. And, and Zechariah writes down, he says, no, his name will be John. It means God's grace. But he says, no, his name will be John. And, it, and Luke says that, that when he wrote that down immediately, uh, his, his voice was opened up and it says, and he blessed God. So people would say, well, what did he say? This is what he said. This is what's written down. His first words, after nine months of not speaking, not being able to say anything, 
What, what would yours be? If you weren't able to speak in a situation like this, what, what would your first words be? Right? Probably, oh, I can't believe I haven't been able to, you know, I mean, you just, everything would just flow out of it. For me, I, who knows what it would be? I don't want that color in the baby's nursery. You know, I mean, it just all, whatever else that would, that would come out. And the first words that come out of Zechariah's mouth are, blessed be our God. It's praise. And it's worship. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, because He's visited and redeemed His people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, as He promised us and the prophets of old, and as He told to our fathers but i think back to that the angel saying you will not speak until your child is born i bet that that time was just a long constant reminder of zechariah of of full obedience to god i'll do anything but a longing too i can't wait to see the fulfillment of the promise as we talked about last week so often we miss this because we see struggles in our life. We see them as, as, just, as just that. I just have to get over this. And once I get over this, then I'm going to run hard. Then I can be happy and then I can follow Jesus. And we forget that, that most of the time, the struggle is the sign in our life that God is at work. That was the daily reminder for Zechariah that he couldn't speak and he'd wake up. Right? And he'd been living his life of a life of prayer of God, please give me this. And every morning when he'd wake up, he'd probably wish that he would have his voice, and he didn't. And it was a reminder, oh yeah, God is doing something great. And I hope that, I hope that all of us can have that perspective. Whatever our struggle is, that God is doing a work. He always fulfills his promises. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, So offer yourselves, all of yourself, as a living sacrifice. In other words, God, you can use me and do to me whatever it is that you need to if it's going to make your name great. Because Paul says it's, holy and, it's a holy and pleasing act to God. It's proper worship. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, Paul says. That says, get away from any struggles whatsoever. Do whatever it takes at any cost. But he says, but be different. Think differently. Renew your mind. Because then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do I know that God is going to fulfill his promises? I'm just, because I just lay myself at his feet and he used me. And I'll let you surrender myself. So John's born. Zechariah just begins to praise. Verses 67 through 75 are just that. A praise to God for his incredible work. And it wasn't even about, if you, if you notice that, it wasn't about Zechariah at all. Oh, you've heard my prayer. Oh, you, you've you know, looked down upon me with great faith. He doesn't make it about himself at all. He just says, God, you are so good. Do you take the time to really praise God for answered prayer? Do you take time to praise God even for the struggles? That he's going to do something great. It wasn't about himself at all, but it was about God and the people around him. You have, you have promised that you, would, that you would rescue us and you would redeem us, that you would save your people, that you would save us from our enemies, that you would show mercy to all. And, 
And my son, he says, is, is a fulfillment of that promise. Even though John was not the Savior that was promised, but, but it, was, it, was the, it was the step to get to it. He looks at his son and he says, this is, this is proof that you are going to do even something greater. He doesn't make it about himself. This is the greatest thing that could ever happen. And we end with that. Thank you for my son. It was, no, it was thank you for the redemption that you were going to bring. And my son is the sign that we should keep our eyes open that it's going to come. He says in verse 69, you've raised up a horn of salvation. A horn of, a horn of salvation meant the power of a king. And there were four horns on the corner of the altar of sacrifice. And, and so what, what Zechariah understands is that we need to cling to the, the sacrifice of the king that will be made for us because in that we will find our salvation and find our redemption. And then I love what he says. He doesn't just leave it with that. He says, so that we would serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness all of our days. Again, this life is not about us. Zechariah understands you are doing a great thing. You're rescuing us and redeeming us so that we in turn can go out and we can give of ourselves to serve you so that this whole world would know about the horn of salvation and the redemption that has come for us. I will praise you, Zechariah says, because you never forget us. You're always present. You always see us. We can serve you with no fear or worry. Why? Because you always come through for us. I just have to be obedient. And whatever happens, happens. But I know that you are going to do something great, God. It wasn't about, all of a sudden for Zechariah, it wasn't about him having a child. It was about so much more. So much bigger. And what his child represented, the Messiah, is coming. So get ready. Because God has given us a gift of grace. And then the second half of his of this benedictus, of his blessing, he speaks over his own son. His his destiny, I guess, is the the buzzword of the day. Out of obedience of what the angel had told Zechariah, he now speaks it over his son. It was an incredibly big deal in those days. You spoke a blessing over your child. This is who you will become. This is my hope for you. This is my prayer for you. And so that's what Zechariah speaks over him in verse 76. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people and the forgiveness of their sins. Here's Here's a great lesson for us as parents. Zechariah was okay with his child not being number one. Amen? He's okay with his child not being the Savior of the world, but playing a role in ushering the Savior in. You, my son, will be a prophet. You're not the Most High. You're a prophet of the Most High. Soapbox. Parents, 
small application. It's okay that your child is not the most high. Kids, you do not have to live into that. Our, our job is to speak on behalf of who Jesus is, to let people know it's okay to be second, third, fourth. We want to be the kind of people that can proclaim that Jesus is number one in our lives and in all that we do. You'll go before the Lord to prepare His ways. And we know that. If we, if we fast forward into the Gospels, we find that John the Baptist, that's his job. Right? He, he was a, the baptizer, calling people to repentance because his message is what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then when Jesus comes, what was Jesus' message? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. John's job was just to go before, to, to create a path for people to open their eyes, to get ready for the Savior of the world. And then I love what Zechariah says. He says, you're going to do great things, but God is going to send someone who's going to forgive people for their sins. And verse 78, why? Because of the tender mercy of our God. He's doing this because He loves us. He cares about us. It, original translation said, would say, because of out of the bowels of God comes His tender mercy. In other words, out of His deep love, the deep within God's gut, He wants us so deeply that He is sending someone that will be the horn of salvation, that will be the rescue. Out of His heart and out of His fullness. Psalm 145.9 says, God is good to all. His tender mercy is over all of His works. Zechariah gets it. God's doing this not because, not because we're special, but because God is and He loves us. And, and then he concludes his time of praise by, first of all, it was about God, this is, this is who you are. You are great and what you're doing for us as a people. And you've given me a son, and this is what, son, this is what you're going to live into, but this is ultimately about the one who is to come. And so he ends it in verse 78 and 79, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise will visit us from on high. That's going back to the prophecy of Malachi. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, as we, this summer, we're talking about what's our theme going to be this Christmas. It seemed like peace was a thing that, that just kept rolling. And it was when I, reading through the Gospels and trying to piece this whole peace theme together, that we read these songs that are all about that. That's why Jesus came, to give us Peace, not, not just peace on earth as far as with one another, all that, that comes as we build community through following Christ, but more importantly, the peace that we have that we need so desperately with God because of our sinfulness. Zechariah knows it. Guide our feet into the way of peace. The ultimate blessing that's been given to each and every one of us is peace through Jesus Christ. The question is, have we received it? 
to know and understand that in times where it feels like things are hopeless, that we have peace. When it feels like our life isn't working out the way that we want it to, that we can still have peace. In times of struggle, we have peace. In times of darkness in this world, we can live differently. We can live with peace. Even in times of war and the rumors of war, we can have peace. Because as Romans 5, 6 tells us, that when we were powerless, lost in our, even in our own sin, Christ came and gave His life for us. When we were in darkness, light came. Zechariah is praising God for it. The question is, will you? In the midst of times when it seems like, does God even hear me? Does He remember me? Can we say, but, but he's, He is still my everything and I'll keep my focus on Him. I will stay obedient to Him. So often, we, we think that it's, that we feel like if God's not at work, then I've got an excuse to, to just do whatever I want, right? Like I can somehow justify my sin or my actions because, well, it doesn't seem like God cares when God has said, look, I just want you to wait. Because if I give to you what you're asking for now, it will mean nothing. But in the waiting, it's, it's going to be so powerful, you're going to proclaim it back to me and to others. I will do something great with you and the situation that you're in, and your family, just wait and see. You just follow me. Final verse of Longfellow's I Heard the Bells says, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God's not dead, nor doth he, doth he sleep. The wrong will fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. My prayer this Christmas season is that, is that, we, would, that we would see beyond, that we would understand the background to whatever's going on in our life, to know that God is writing a beautiful song. And it's proof through His Son, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Thank you. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've done in the past. Thank you that we have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to understand what it is that you have shown us, that you try to tell us how you want us to live. Thank you most importantly for your son, Jesus Christ. The reason for this season that we celebrate. We love you. We're going to take a